Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be a review of the win over the Broncos and a preview of the upcoming huge matchup against the Ravens. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Who day? Week 15 review, Cincinnati Bengals 15, Denver Broncos 10. This is what we all wanted. This is what I was dreaming of since week one. The rebuild is complete. We're a first place contender late in the year. We control our own destiny. We don't have to worry about teams losing. We just take care of our own business and everything is right in front of us. And look out for Joe Burrow when he gets to the playoffs. When you have a champion like that, And someone with a winning mentality, the sky's the limit for this team. I predict very good things for this next month. All right, so let's think about the prognosis on the season. We have to take care of business. I mean, we could technically lose to the Chiefs, but we need to beat the Browns. We need to beat the Ravens. And if you really want to have momentum going into the playoffs, sweep all three of them. I know it sounds a little unrealistic to beat the Chiefs right now because they're so hot, but we have a good offense too. The Chiefs' defense has played well lately, but they're not a notably great defense. And Burrow can shoot it out with anybody, so you just never know what's going to happen in that Chiefs game. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We have a massive game against the Ravens now. We took them down early in the year in their park, and now it's our turn to take them down at home. So let's think about the opponents in our division. So we can get a wild card berth, but I think the quickest path to the playoffs is going to be to win the division. The wild card gets a little sticky. You have teams, you know, whoever has the best record amongst common opponents. It's it's not even like best conference record anymore. It's just it's it's hard to figure out unless you're looking at everyone's schedule. But you know, it's going to be hard to leapfrog the Colts because they're probably going to win out. The Chargers have the tiebreaker over us. The Bills, you never know. Those are three teams. I don't want to be messing with them for the wild card. I just want to win the division. And then you move down to, like, the Raiders, Dolphins, Broncos. Those teams are pretty much, even though the Dolphins are hot, I don't think those three teams are something that we need to worry about right now. I think it's the division. So let's not worry about the wild card. Let's look at the Ravens. So they come to Cincinnati. You win there, and that's going to put a real big dent in their season because then they have to play the Rams and the Steelers. And you're probably looking at a split there unless they get hot. So we take out the Ravens. That should be enough to pass the Ravens and keep them out of our way. The Browns are a game behind us. So if we win two of three, they have to win three of three. If we win three of three, they have no chance. They're going to Green Bay. That's probably a loss. Then they're going to battle it out with the Steelers. That has a chance to be kind of a bloodbath game. And then they're at home against us, and that could decide a playoff berth. But if we take care of business, that game's not going to matter as much. And I don't know what's going on with the Browns health-wise. They might be shorthanded going to the Packers, and you know who knows what happens beyond that. So we have the formula for beating the Browns. Just beat them head-to-head or just win out our schedule. And then the Steelers, you know, that's a, that's a crazy wrinkle because if they won out and we drop just one game, they could pass us, but I don't know if the Steelers are going to win out. They're not that good of a team. Their record is not indicative of what kind of team they are. I think they're pretty bad this year. They're pretty middle of the road. They get a little bit lucky. We have their number, but we're not going to get a shot at them again. We just blew them out twice. But they have to go to Kansas City. That's probably a loss. And then they have to play the Browns at home. You know, that's going to be that big battle. Browns are a better team. 
and then they have to go to the Ravens, and the Ravens are a better team. So it's unlikely that the Steelers are going to win out. It's highly likely that the Steelers aren't going to win another game. So there it is. You beat the Ravens, you beat the Browns, and you let destiny happen with the Steelers, and there's your playoff berth. And if you give up a game to the Ravens or the Browns, then we're going to have to depend on some other things to happen. So we don't want to be in that boat. We want to control our own destiny. So there it is. Let's just win out. All right, on to some observations about the Broncos game. Before I get into that, it's really tough with Riley Reef. That's a tough break, and I hope that doesn't expose us as we get deeper into the season and into the playoffs, not having a number one right tackle out there. Fred Johnson had a good game against the Broncos. Isaiah Prince struggled when he was in there, and those are the two guys that you're probably going to see in there unless they both collapse and they bring in Deontay Smith. So that reef injury could come back to haunt us, but let's not think that way. Let's think that the guys that we have are going to step up and we're going to scheme things up properly and we're going to just get past that injury because everybody has major injuries right now. And speaking of injuries, another tough injury game for the Bengals. Mixon gets hurt. You know that foot's not right. They brought him in for the last play to for the kneel down, but I almost think that was a message to the Ravens. Like, oh, he's not that hurt, but he might be a little compromised in this upcoming game. You know he's going to be a warrior and get out there and do it, but I'm a little concerned about him because he's a very big key to this game against the Ravens. Akeem Adenergy got rolled up on in the back of his leg, so he was in and out of the lineup. Ultimately, he came out. I'm not sure of his status. Joe Bocci out for the year, another linebacker with an ACL. That leaves that position very thin, so I'm crossing my fingers there. Von Bell went out with what seemed to be a concussion, but they cleared him, and he came back on the field, and he played well and alert when he was back out there, so I think he's okay. And Khalid Kareem got hurt after that huge play, which we'll go into later, and I don't know if that was the shoulder or the collarbone that he had a problem with before, but let's cross our fingers that he's okay because he seems like he's coming alive and, and coming into December and January ready to play. And the thing about this team is we find a way to win if we have a shootout. We find a way to win if there's an ugly game. We find a way to win a defensive battle like we just did against the Broncos. We're, we're winning on the road. It's just showing that this team knows how to win in whatever scenario that you put them in. And, you know, I know we haven't won three in a row, but we haven't lost three in a row this year either. So I like where we stand right now. I like this team's resiliency, and they've learned how to win over the course of this year. And that's going to come up big in these last few weeks. So we held up well in the altitude at Denver. I thought it was going to be a problem. I didn't see guys with the oxygen tanks. So the coaching staff and the training staff and the players did a nice job adjusting to that altitude and holding up for this game and ultimately getting a win. We won the field position battle, another silent way to win or lose games. And, you know, both teams were punting well because of the altitude and quality punters, but it seemed like we were getting better field position than them, especially late when we pinned them inside the five-yard line late in the game, and that was, that was a major, major win for us. Jamar Chase had a quiet game. He had that great long deep ball, but Spain had a hold on the play. You know, that's going to happen. But Chase just kept playing hard, kept being a team player. So, you know, even though he only had one reception for three yards, he still factored in with his blocking and his attitude, and it's just good to see. I, I keep saying it. He's a superstar in every sense of the word. And I think we need to start involving Joe Mixon more in the passing game. The last two games, 
I think he had maybe one or two receptions per game. And prior to that, we were getting him more involved in the passing game, and it's working. Like I said, get Joe Mixon in open space. No one wants to tackle him. He's got the speed and the vision downfield to make big plays. So, Coach Taylor, if you're listening, let's get a few more passes to Joe Mixon over the next couple weeks. I think it'll make a big difference. Our defense was outstanding again, stopping the run. I know they got 130 yards, but the running game wasn't a factor, and those are two backs that are very hard to tackle. We did good when the running backs received the ball out of the backfield, and of course we shut down the passing game. I got to say, Bridgewater's bad. I mean, I hope he's all right after the head injury, but when he was in there, he, he panics, he's inaccurate. He's got a good strong arm, but not an accurate arm, and I just think that he was a real liability for them when he was in there. When Locke came in, I was actually like, wow, this is more of an improvement over Bridgewater. It's not such a bad thing for them that Bridgewater left the game. We shut down Judy. Hilton was a big part in that coming out of the slot. And to see Judy get like one late reception in the game, I mean, he's a major factor for them. Bridgewater did have him open for a deep ball, but he wasn't able to hit him in that in that instance. So it's nice to see you take out one of their top receivers, and we need to continue that over the next couple weeks. You know, against the Ravens, limited receiver unit, but then you have the Chiefs. You know, the Browns have some good receivers too. So let's hope that we can get some of that shutdown ability in the weeks to come. And then referee-wise, there was a couple bad calls. And again, you guys know I've said it all the time, I'll never blame the refs for a win or for a loss, but some of the calls were frustrating. The biggest one of them all was that hit on Sample by Chubb. I mean, Sample was on the ground, and Chubb comes in late. So not only was it a late hit, but it was a late hit targeting the head. It was just, and the ref was standing right there. That was a really bad call, and, you know, down the road, I don't know if they should be fining refs and suspending refs for mistakes, but I, I was thinking about this after that play. I think that there should be a committee in the NFL that decides on referees' mistakes. And not just a simple mistake. It's a, it's a blatant mistake that affects the outcome of a close game. I think those that should be the criteria. And if you hit a certain amount, then they should think about some disciplinary action, whether it's financial or suspension. Again, you can't just suspend guys for one or two mistakes here and there. But maybe, you know, you make a list. If, if you have 10 of these plays over the year or, you know, whatever number works then there can be some repercussions for it. I don't know. I'm just suggesting that. They'll never put it into place because no one's going to want a referee under those circumstances. But there's a lot of bad calls going around. You have some officiating crews that are just flag happy and throwing flags on everything. And then you have some other crews that are making mistakes. I guess it's a an age-old issue of, you know, the referees are always going to mess things up. But I didn't like the call with Bridgewater crossing the line on the pass. I thought he was fully over the line when the ball was released. The Von Bell recovery was close. Even Khalid Kareem, when he had the big play, they, they didn't rule him down, and then that led to a fumble. You know, it was overturned. But those are some mistakes that really could have changed the outcome of this game. But anyway, let's move away from that. I don't care about the refs anymore. I want to talk about the football players and the schemes and the coaching. So one negative thing on us, in the first half we were 1-for-7 on third down. That's a really good defense, but that's numbers that you cannot win in the playoffs with. So I don't care what kind of defense you're facing. And when you get to the playoffs, most of them are going to be good. We need to improve the third down efficiency. And it comes from two things. It comes from scheming things properly. And it comes from keeping Joe Burrow protected. And Burrow was running for his life in this game again. There were only three sacks, so the sack numbers weren't there. But Joe got himself out of trouble a bunch. And he took some hits after throwing the ball. 
just too much pressure, and that's, again, something we need to address in the offseason. Schematically, we need to fix it now, but roster-wise, we're going to have to really focus on this as our main focus of the offseason because you have the wide receivers, you have the running backs, you have the defense, you obviously have a superstar quarterback. Really, the only missing ingredient is a top-notch offensive line. And last game, I mentioned that they had one first-rounder, an undrafted, and three six-rounders starting, you know, whatever. But I know it doesn't really matter where you were drafted. Like, Quentin Spain is playing as one of our top two linemen, and he's undrafted. But let's just quickly go over from left to right the draft position of the offensive lineman, and this is what you're protecting a franchise quarterback with. You have a first-rounder at left tackle. You have an undrafted at left guard. You have an undrafted at center. And you have an undrafted at right tackle. And then you have a sixth-rounder at right guard fluctuating with a second rounder. So again, that's three undrafted guys and one low pick in the draft to protect Joe Burrow with. That worries me a little bit. If anything's going to mess us up down the stretch, it could be that. So the two things that I always preach, you want to score right before halftime, and we did. We got they After they missed that field goal, we got the ball with nine seconds left. We're able to complete a 20-yard pass and kick a 50-plus-yard field goal. That is just the formula for winning games. So we got three before the half, and then we come out in the second half, and I always like to review those drives, and I saw the stat that we're the highest-scoring second-half team in the NFL, so that's a really good place to be, but you don't want to leave yourself in a hole early, as we know. So we end the first half with a field goal. We begin the second half with a field goal. I'm not going to go over every play of that first drive of the second half like I always do. Sometimes I feel it gets a little lengthy, and there were 11 plays. But the things I want to say about that first drive, it was a time-consuming ball control drive. We had five runs and five passes. Now, two of those passes became scrambles, but we actually had designed five passes, five runs. So we had a good mix going into that first drive. The biggest plays of that drive were Burrow scrambling for a first down for eight yards. The middle of the field just opened up, and he just made a great read and took off. Next play is another Burrow play, not using his arm. He scrambles, avoids a sack, gets five yards. They give him a face mask. That's a 20-yard gain right there. Really put us in good position. And then that handoff to Pirine right for 22 yards with everybody blocking on the right side well, including Sample and Boyd. So those were the three big plays. Ultimately, we get down deep into the red zone. We try a short slant to chase. I don't know if I totally agree with that call because it had to be a lot of yards after the catch, and they had a lot of guys in that area. So I don't know if that was necessarily a winning play, but it led to a McPherson field goal, which is obviously key in winning this game. And to go back to the first drive of the second half for the Broncos, they had the ball first because they deferred. And that drive was destroyed by an Ogunjobi and Hendrickson sack. So we took away their first drive, got the ball back, scored on them, kind of double-dipped there. Then you see Bridgewater get hurt in the third quarter. I don't know if he's done for the year, but it did not look good. Best wishes to him. Locke comes in the game. I was worried because we weren't that prepared for Locke. We were preparing for Bridgewater. It seems like we always have a problem with quarterbacks who we've never seen before or quarterbacks who shouldn't beat you. And then Locke takes them down for that TD. There were seven runs, and he had that great pass to Patrick because he does have a very good arm. You know, you can say what you want about Drew Locke. I don't know if he's a playoff-caliber quarterback, but he does have a very strong arm. Maybe they can develop him down there, but it seems like he's not the answer for them. Either way, he leads them to a touchdown. They take the lead. Game's getting a little scary because we weren't scoring a lot of points at this point. 
and then we answer them back in two plays. That's a winning team. When you lead for the whole game, you all of a sudden go down on a fluke drive, and then you answer them back within a minute with a touchdown to take the lead again. That was the Bengals saying, you're not going to win this game. We're not even going to let you take the lead for more than a minute and a half. Then at the end, we go back and forth with some punts. The Broncos drive down to the nine-yard line. And come on, I know all of you out there were nervous. Oh, here it comes. They're going to score late. We're going to have a hard time taking the lead. The pressure is going to be on. And then Khaled Kareem comes up with possibly a playoff-saving play. Just an amazing play. We'll go into that later. But that was huge. That prevented them from scoring. And it set us up to drain the clock and eventually win that game. We gave the ball back to them with a minute four left. And that wasn't enough time. They had We had another Ogunjobi sack. They had a couple penalties on on them holding Hendrickson. So we really took it to him in the last drive. Hendrickson took over the game. He had that one batted ball that was a catch. But he was all over the backfield. He was killing Garrett Bowles on that, on that edge. And I'm looking forward to him doing the same thing to Villanueva next week or whoever they're going to roll out there. Some of the play calling that always gets criticized, I like the play calling for the most part. Not taking a knee at the end of the first half and being aggressive with nine seconds and getting that field goal. Staying loyal to the run game even if it wasn't working because you, eventually the dam is going to break, as they say, and you want to control the clock. So that was another intelligent strategy by us to not just abandon the run and let Joe Burrow hurl the ball all over the field and take hit after hit. And then in the pass game, we took what they gave us. We didn't force it. You know, we tried a couple deep balls, but for the most part, we were just hitting the open guy underneath and moving the ball down the field. Excellent scheme, excellent plan, and way to give Burrow some extra protection against a very tough defense. And then I guess the criticism would be there were two third and eights late in the game that we ran on on both of them rather than throw. And that kind of mirrored what we did the game before. We took the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands when we shouldn't have. So that was something that I know people were getting down on. Ultimately, we didn't get the first down on either one of them. We drained clock, and I guess that was the key. We were able to drain the clock, but those are two questionable calls. But based on the way they schemed up the rest of the game, I'm not going to fault the coaching staff on that. They have their plan. They know more than we do, and let's just give them a pass because we're an 8-6 and team right now. All right, so let's quickly go over some key plays from the game. So the first key play that didn't get a ton of attention at the time that was massive for this game was Eli Apple knocking that TD away from Sutton. Sutton had the ball in his hands, and Apple just comes up, perfect technique, no penalty, just knocks the ball out at the last second or else we would have been down. That could have been an easy touchdown and a lead for them, and Apple did his thing and prevented that, so that's an excellent play by him. Then the next key play is a sequence of plays, and that's with nine seconds left in the first half. We had that beautiful deep slant to Boyd exactly when we needed it. They were playing deep prevent. He did a deep route, but not as deep as they were playing. Perfect throw by Burrow. I mean, a spiral with velocity and accuracy. Boyd gets down, doesn't pull a Chase Claypool, and starts pointing like, like he's a superstar. Does what a team player does. We get the timeout. It enables us to kick the field goal. And also on the play to Boyd, Chase ran a deep route as a decoy, so that got some of the defenders thinking about Chase, especially what we've done at the end of the half. So they were probably really hypersensitive to covering Chase, and that left Boyd even more open. And then the 58-yard field goal from this rookie phenomenon kicker. 
And the third big play was the two plays that followed their TD. I call it the answer back touchdown. It was heroic. It was heroic on everyone's part. First, you get Mixon with a 12-yard run when he hadn't been able to run all day. So that set it up. And then you go to kind of a max protect where you have a running back and a tight end blocking. Play action to your running back. Uzama makes a beautiful cut block on the defensive end coming in. Higgins and Chase keep it short. And then there's a perfect lead pass to Boyd. It it was kind of like a slant and an up. Burrow hits him perfectly in stride. Boyd makes a move on an all-pro safety, Justin Simmons, and just takes off for the end zone. I was going crazy. At that point, I was like, we are winning this game. And then every play was like bigger than the last. All three of the plays or the sequences I mentioned just now really helped us win the game. But yet, the fourth big play probably sealed the game and really helped us win the game. And that was the Khalid Kareem strip of Locke. Locke ran the read option. He's going out to the side. You never see that. You really never see, no matter who's running the ball, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, no matter how big, how strong, how small, whatever, you just never see a defender just come up and rip it out of his hands. And Kareem just did it. The strength to do that, the aggressiveness to do that, the intelligence to do that, beating his guy to get in and keeping contain on the edge and beating his guy to get in and make that play. Just superior play, which if he's healthy, should get him a lot more playing time because in his short span of playing this year, he's had flashes of dominance. So you figure you give him some more snaps, you're going to get some more plays like that. All right, some quick analysis of individual efforts. Joe Burrow, another great game, another leadership game. The yardage totals weren't there, but he took what they gave him and he contributed to a winning effort. Lots of tight spirals, perfect throws, not putting his receivers in danger. The usual Joe Burrow, and his mobility is improving. It's looking like he's getting more back to normal. He's obviously throwing well on the run. He got himself out of trouble a lot in this game with like ducking and spinning and avoiding multiple defenders, and now he's sliding well. He actually looks somewhat like a baseball player sliding. Good to see that on top of that incredible right arm that those legs are starting to get back under him. Onto the receivers, Tyler Boyd, three huge plays in this game. Two of his catches led to nine points. Yeah, we missed the two-pointer, but the huge touchdown broke open the game. The big first down right before the half set up the field goal, so that's nine points directly related to his performance. And then he seals the game late with that first down catch to drain the clock. So three plays that were hugely important in this game, and it's nice to see Tyler Boyd getting his spotlight because he's one of my favorites of all of them. Higgins contributed as usual. He didn't get his 100-yard game. His fourth It would have been his fourth one in a row, but he's clutch when you need him. He's going down the middle of the field a lot, too, and that's tough. He's a big receiver, but when you're tall like that, you get exposed to a lot of big hits, and especially if the ball's thrown high and you're high-pointing stuff, and that happens quite a bit, and he's just showing no fear going over the middle and doing everything that's asked of him and really contributing to wins. And then Jamar Chase, we talked about it, one reception, three yards, but it doesn't matter. He's selfless, and that's how this whole team is. There's no me-first guys, and that's how you win a Super Bowl. Uzama had that great cut block on the touchdown by Boyd. He also had a couple nice receptions, continues to have that yard after the catch total going. I'm curious to see where he ranks amongst tight ends, but he breaks a lot of tackles and has some pretty good elusiveness for a big guy like that. Offensive line, we talked about him. I'm not going to get on the line too much because Joe Burrow came out healthy and we got a win. 
but I think Jonah and Spain played pretty good games aside from the one penalty each. Fred Johnson was a solid surprise in there. He did let up one sack, but for the most part, did his job. Regarding the three sacks of Burrow, the first one, we left Simmons unblocked on a safety blitz. All the offensive linemen had a man. They just brought one more than we had, and we didn't get the ball out fast enough. Burrow takes a big hit, big loss. Second sack, Johnson gets beat to the outside on a speed move. Burrow gets forced up into the pocket. The center kind of collapses. Burrow gets sacked for the second time. Third one, total coverage sack. No one open. Burrow rolls out. No one to throw to, so he just slides. Smart play on his part, and no one's fault on the offensive line on that. So those are the three sacks. Defensively, Ogunjobi, another phenomenal game that could put him in the Pro Bowl this year or in the conversation. We have the best defensive tackle tandem in the league with him and Reeder and the two guys backing him up, Tupo and Hill. That foursome, I challenge anyone to find four defensive tackles that have been more productive. Maybe you find some bigger names. Maybe you have some guys with bigger stats. But on a game-to-game basis, those guys are the best in the league. Hendrickson got his half a sack, so I don't know if that streak is over, but who cares? He was a game wrecker. He forced three penalties that were key. He was all over the field at the end of the game where it mattered most. And it was nice to see him come back from those back spasms and just show absolutely no drop-off. And Khalid Kareem, as we said before, a huge game. He had a tackle for a loss. He had a pressure. He has the big strip to change the game. He had a huge game in 13 snaps, so I definitely want to see him get some more out there. Jermaine Pratt had an outstanding game. It seems like he's gotten better after they made him the signal caller. He's really coming into his own. I hope this just continues. Marcus Bailey played a very good game as well. He was all over the field. His speed was really showing out there. Joe Bocci was playing tough until he got injured. So we're going to need some of those backup linebackers to help us out in the upcoming weeks because we're really down to basically two healthy starting quality linebackers. Secondary, Waynes was rusty but pretty solid. You know, the Broncos have a great receiving core and they weren't lighting it up. I know Waynes got beat on the one touchdown but everyone's going to get beat on a touchdown here and there. So it's nice to see him back in the lineup. We're looking good at corner. Apple played another good game. Hilton played a great game. So if you have Awuzie and Waynes, Apple rotating in there, Hilton in the slot, that's a strong group of defensive backs that can really help in playoff football, and especially when you're facing teams like the Chiefs. Bates had another instinctive game, bunch of tackles. Bell was rangy in this game, played tough. Safeties are playing at a high level. The corners are playing at a high level. The linebackers played very well, and the defensive line is the best in the league, so look out. Special teams, Justin I mean, Evan McPherson, a 53-yarder, a 58-yarder, a Bengals record 58-yarder, one more 50-yarder, and he ties the most in a season by a rookie. And his 50-yarders look like they can go 60 yards. So look out. Maybe in the playoffs it comes down to McPherson to hit a 62-yarder to beat the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl. I have full faith in that. This guy is on to big things. It was such a steal to get this big of a weapon in the fifth round of the draft. Huber averaged over 50 yards a punt in this game. He was massive in the field position battle. Trent Taylor was my recommendation for taking over the returner job, and they did it. Glad they listened to me, and he's a pro. You can tell he's experienced out there. He makes clean catches of the ball, good decisions, some yards after the catch. 
So I think that he's earned himself a spot on the roster for the rest of the year and for the postseason, and I'm fully confident in him back there, more confident than anyone that we've put back there this year. Maybe we should have done it earlier. And Stanley Morgan, gunner extraordinaire. Trey Flowers is really starting to shine in that role too. Morgan had that beautiful downing of the ball inside the 5. It frustrates me when a punter puts the ball inside the 10 and the coverage unit just can't corral the ball and it goes for a touchback. That's one of the things that gets me so mad in games, and Stanley Morgan did not let that happen. So that's it for this game. Huge win, and not to be cliched, but on to Baltimore, or on to Cincinnati to play Baltimore. Week 16 preview, Cincinnati Bengals versus Baltimore Ravens. I know it's going to sound redundant if I say it, but this is a huge game. This is a playoff game prior to the playoffs. This is it. You have to win this game. If you want to belong in the postseason and be the team that's on top of that division, you have to win this game. We're a more talented team. They're 3-4 and four on the road. I know we're 3-4 and four at home, but it's a home game. It's our time to shine right now. No excuses. No nervousness. No bad decisions. Do what we've been destined to do from the beginning of this year keep on our path and let's just go let's just win this let's put them in the rearview mirror and just be ready to fight the Chiefs and whoever they want to bring on in the AFC and then ultimately in the Super Bowl I don't know if Lamar's playing this game it'll make a difference if he's playing over Huntley obviously but if Lamar's playing and he's hurt you're not going to get the same Lamar that is that danger to run all the time. And I think Harbaugh is going to keep it a mystery until the last minute. I would. I wouldn't announce Lamar's status. I wouldn't announce who's playing. Keep the Bengals guessing. But let's prepare for both. And Huntley has a very similar game to Jackson. So it'll be pretty easy to prepare for either one of them. I don't care who's playing. We need to take care of business. Offensively, there's a couple keys. Mixon's health is going to be a key to the game. I think P. Ryan and Evans can fill in fine. But Joe Mixon is a top-of-the-chart running back who you'd love to have in there for a game of this magnitude and love to have him in at full health. So we'll see what Joe can do this game. They're pretty good against the run. You know, they have a decent front seven, so it's not going to be easy. But Joe Mixon's a warrior, and Joe Mixon is hungrier than most of those Ravens defenders. Our right tackle position is going to be another major key to this game. Martindale is going to attack it every which way with a multitude of different defenders schemes, stunts, exotic blitzes. They're going to try to beat him physically, and they're going to try to beat him mentally. So we really have to be up to the task. If it's Fred Johnson, Fred, you have to have your best game of your life here. If it's Isaiah Prince, same thing with you, my friend. This is huge. We're going to have to help out no matter who's playing there because that is going to be the focal point of that defense is attacking that side. So we're going to need some tight end help there. We're going to need some wide receiver in motion help there. We're going to need some running backs out of the backfield and doing some chip chipping on those guys that are coming in. We have to do everything that we can to make sure that right side doesn't keep collapsing on Burrow. And the wide receivers should have a big game. You know, with Chase, Boyd, and Higgins against Averett, Westry, and Young, that's a matchup that's way in our favor. If you protect Joe Burrow properly in this game, it is a win. The concerns about their defense, it is a good defensive line. And they're going to bring in a bunch of pass rushers, Matabuke, Houston, Owa, Bowser's going to blitz from time to time. Brandon Williams is, is stout in the middle. 
Calais Campbell, her, I don't know his status, but there's a lot of names in there that you have to worry about and a lot of guys that can do damage, not just against the right side, but if they catch Jonah off guard, they can be doing damage from the blind side as well. So that's my biggest concern when we're on offense. And Josh Bynes, the 10th-rated linebacker on Pro Football Focus, where was that last year, bro? All right, on to the Bengals' defense. We're going to have the game wrecker, Trey Hendrickson, on Villanueva. And Villanueva is getting old. His play is declining. He's banged up. This is a big, big game for Hendrickson. Like I said, you protect Burrow and let him do his thing there on offense. That's a win. You let Hendrickson run wild like he's been running wild all year. That's a win. Then matchups. I don't fear the receivers. As much as they try every year to improve that that squad, they never do. I mean, Brown, he's dangerous. Bateman, jury's out on him. Duvernay, I don't even know if Watkins is playing. He seems like he's never healthy. But I'll take our four corners against that wide receiver group. Yeah, Brown will get a couple catches. But I think you take the four Bengals corners against those receivers, and that's a big edge for us in this game. So we take that away. And then if you take that away, the only thing they're going to have is quarterback scrambles and passes to Andrews. And Andrews is the key for their offense. We have to find a way. We can't let him George Kittle us. So we have to do everything in our power and scheme-wise to really limit Andrews' success in this game because that's really all I see that they can do to win this game offensively. You know, Freeman can is capable of some good runs. Murray's a strong runner. I don't even know the health of both of those guys. I'm not worried about their offense. A banged-up Lamar, some mediocre wide receivers, some second-tier running backs, and mobile quarterbacks that don't have accurate arms. I don't know. This, this is a win. 30-23 Bengals. Three touchdowns, three field goals. McPherson outduels Tucker. Tucker gets his three. McPherson gets his three. They're both hitting 50 yarders out the park. The Ravens can only muster up a touchdown or two. Bengals go on, take charge of the division, have all the momentum in the world going into the next two weeks and into the playoffs. This season is ours. AFC North standings. The Bengals are currently 8-6 and six and in first place in the AFC North. They have the tiebreaker over the 8-6 and six Ravens, and they lead the 7-6-1 Steelers and the 7-7 seven and seven Browns, who are in last place. The Bengals are currently the fourth seed in the AFC. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Ravens game and a preview of the upcoming game against the Chiefs. And we're also going to welcome in some special guests as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. Unofficial Bengals Podcast.